Welcome to Tactically Acquired. Our goal is to document military-connected living history in a fun and easy environment. We will capture the stories of our active duty, guard, reservists, veterans, ROTC, and their families, sharing their stories, adventures, and journeys across the military life cycle. The podcast is for anyone interested in joining the military, has been part of the military, or wishes to learn more about military life. In addition, we want to bridge the growing military-civilian divide through education. This is unfiltered, meaning we'll go over the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly of being a military-connected individual. I'm your host, Rusty Martis, a retired Air Force Mustang and OEF veteran, and I run the Veterans Resource Station at North Kentucky University. My special guest today is an active National Guard service member and works uniquely with NKU. Uh, so just to get started, can you just kind of state your name and uh, your branch of service? Yeah, so I'm uh, Staff Sergeant Jason Myrtle. I'm with the Kentucky Army National Guard. And that's awesome. So tell me a little bit about what it means to be part of the Kentucky National Guard, because I think your role is a little bit different than what most people see as a National Guard member. Yes, so um, obviously I'm partnered with NKU as the on-campus recruiter. Uh, so I recruit both for the Kentucky Army National Guard and NKU's ROTC program. And uh, ROTC being? Uh, the Reserve Officer Training Course, obviously Army. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So NKU, and I'm jumping way off subject here as we we traditionally do, but NKU doesn't have what I would call a classic ROTC program. Is that correct? Correct. They're a satellite. I'm going to come back to that because I think there's some uniqueness to the ROTC piece to that. But let's jump back a little bit and talk about the Kentucky Army National Guard. Why did you choose to go to the Kentucky Army National Guard. So I joined the Kentucky Army National Guard when I was 19 years old. Uh, I had a... Well, you know, you're not much older than that, right? <laughs> Oof, I wish. <laughs> but uh, I was a single father at the time, and uh, I looked at active duty, etc. And with that being said, I would have to sign my rights over to my son and give up custody, but uh, I was a no-go for me. I'm a father first, and I live here in Kentucky, and I would love to serve you know, my community and my country. Awesome. So, awesome. So are, you, are you from this local area then? Uh, I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and okay. I moved over uh, to Florence, Kentucky, and went to Boone County High School, and then uh, been here ever since. Oh, a rebel, huh? Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, and, and you said that, did you say when that was? How long? Because you're still in right now. Yeah, correct. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I joined in 2011. Okay. Yeah, okay. So coming up on uh, 12 years. Congratulations. Congratulations. So when you joined, you joined as a traditional National Guardist? Correct. And I'll, maybe I'm not using that term right. Is traditional National Guardist, is that a correct yeah, term? Yeah, so just a traditional Guardsman. Okay, and what's that kind of mean? Uh, so traditional Guardsman, you go to training, obviously, for whatever MOS that is, uh, military job. So basic training and then your uh, advanced individual training. So I joined as a... 13 Delta at the time, which now is a 13 Juliet, a fire control specialist. Uh, my unit was in Carrollton, Kentucky, off of Battery 2nd 138th, which I served nine years there uh, before coming to recruiting. But typically, you're looking at, after training, uh, one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. Now that could be pushed to the left or the right, depending on training needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, with field artillery, uh, field is you know a big thing. You're in the field a lot. Uh, and it's hard to get through different firing tables and you know qualifications you have to do in a typical two-day weekend. It's not realistic. So typically we'd have you know three, four-day drills to complete different tables. But then you get that time back. We'd you know typically be off 
maybe a February, September, et cetera. You get two months back. Awesome. So um, something that stuck out immediately is you said you were out of Carrollton. So this was not planned, but we recently had a guest that was also from Carrollton, awesome. <laughs> Kentucky National Guard um, that came on the podcast. Sean Rohr was on as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I served with Sean for, I think he was, he was either E5 or E6 at the time, uh, right before we ended up de uh, deploying to Africa. Uh, he didn't go on that deployment, but yeah, I spent about six months with him yeah. uh, and then uh, he stayed at rear debt and then we went uh we deployed yeah so small small uh family for let's say the least oh but, yeah uh, that was a uh, wild man for sure <laughs> um so you're not a traditional guardsman right now is that correct you're correct. full time that's what you yes. do so um, i i'm agr so i'm act i'm active duty here in Kentucky with the Kentucky Army National Guard. All right, so kind of walk through this, because I found this very interesting, because I was active duty. I was I'm not part of the reserves or guard or anything like that. I mean, I hear that term thrown out a lot, but what does that actually mean to be AGR? So AGR, you are active duty in the state of Kentucky as okay. a guards member. So okay. it's uh, active duty reservist or guardsman. As being AGR active guard, in the state of Kentucky, you also do all the kind of traditional guardsman stuff as well, right? So you're kind of full-time and yeah. do all your... So uh, we're... It changes year by year. Uh, so right now, as it stands, me being here, uh, NKU, I'm not attached to any unit per se. I'm attached to RSP, which that's uh, the Recruitment Sustainment Program. And uh, that's also where uh, my cadets here at NKU, where they drill. And uh, I kind of, I'm kind of, not necessarily, I don't necessarily run it, but I help run it with my cadets as well and other uh, cadre members. And basically we, um, we help train newly recruits right before they go to training. And training being their specific job training. And basic, when you basic training and then AI, yeah, the job training. Then the afterwards. job training. Correct. Okay. So you had mentioned that and maybe I wrote this down wrong, but a fire control specialist when you came in. Is correct. that correct? That what, is correct. What is that? Uh, so just to dumb it down, it is uh, basically the brains of artillery. Okay. Uh, so we control the FDC, that's a fire control uh, uh, fire direction control center. And uh, we control where fires go as far as making sure the rounds are safe going down range, uh, basically doing all the math behind it. So now, you know, it's not charts and darts. And by hand, it's all digital, but we make sure that, you know, coordinates are right and the round's going where it's supposed to go. Not like the old days where you just point and just, shoot and yeah, I got GPS yeah. and everything uh, else, right? A lot smarter now. A lot smarter now. And it, to tell you my Air Force way of thinking, so as soon as you said fire control specialist, I'm thinking firefighter, right? And then the more I thought about it, it's like, that's why I asked the question. It's like, it can't be. Your no, Army, no, 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 no. even though it, you do we, have firefighters. We do have but, firefighters, yeah, but... it's just a different name. Uh, as far as Kentucky, we have, you know, one of the most decorated artillery battalions, honestly, in the country. Wow, that's awesome. Very cool. See, that's something we've never really known. Yep. Yep. So um, when you went from being a fire control specialist, how did you get into the recruiting world? Well, so obviously, you know, it's no secret, COVID happened. Yeah. Uh, I was a traditional guardsman, um, staff sergeant. I was a section chief of um, an FDC, which, you know, I loved. Uh, civilian side, I worked at Verizon, which I love that job as well, just doing sales. Uh, you know, some things happened with COVID. Uh, 
we were pulled out of the office, uh, me having a house and kids. Uh, ends weren't, you know, really meeting. Uh, and I've always wanted to recruit, but I was also, you know, I was doing well where I was, so I didn't necessarily, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and I want to take that chance. But things happened, and my income was cut, so uh, I got a call and got asked, hey, have you ever thought about recruiting? And I was like, yes, yeah. I have thought about it. And, uh, you know, I was hired on temporarily, you know, uh, as a lead generator at first. And they saw potential. And next thing you know, I'm a recruiter. Awesome. So. Awesome. And so how long have you been doing recruiting type duty? So I was originally hired on temporarily in August, mid-August. And then I was hired on full-time as, you know, a an actual recruiter in November of 2020. So back, and this was a long time ago. I, I understand, I'm old. Uh, but the recruiters would call my mom at home and my mom would just hang up on them, all right? So sometimes recruiters get a bad, um, what's the right word? Uh, bad rep. Bad rap, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you tell people when you uh, say, hey, I'm a recruiter? Uh, what kind of response do you get and how do you kind of convince them that, you know, it's not what it all, what you all hear? Well, I mean, everyone has their own approach with things. And, uh, you know, I worked at Verizon working in sales as well. And uh, I have, I mean, I, the Kentucky Army National Guard has a unique product. Uh, we pay 100% of tuition. Huge There's, benefit. Yeah, other benefits as far as uh, the Montgomery GI Bill, the GI Bill Kicker, ROTC. If you end up, you know, becoming a cadet and contract, you also get a stipend, uh, drill pay. I mean, right now, at a minimum, as long as you get a 50 on the ASVAB without ROTC, you're making a thousand dollars a month, a little over a thousand dollars a month and your tuition is 100% paid. Now, if you end up doing ROTC and once you contract, you're gonna make up to fifteen dollars to $1,600 a month while you're in school and your school is paid. I, the product speaks for itself. So honestly, when I'm, when I'm you know, conducting an appointment and talking to a student, I just, you know, I come, to them with an honest approach and this is what it is and I'm just honest. I mean, right. I've had, it's funny because uh, you could talk to my recruits and they'll tell you like, you're the most honest recruiter I've ever talked to and you don't sugarcoat things and I mean, you just tell it how it is yeah. and that's the way, you know, this way it should be. Now, I'm not gonna bash other branches or anything else but, uh, as far as the Kentucky Army National Guard, like this is our community. We live here, we work here, our kids go to school here. We're not gonna burn bridges in our backyard. Like that's just not our approach because once that reputation is tarnished, it's tarnished. You're not gonna get that you know, reputation back as far as being a trustworthy person. Well, I think that's key um, for what you, a lot of things that you said. One is that it sells itself, but you are. You're, you're literally right here working. And even if you're, um, Activated traditional guardsmen to active 
to, we'll call it deployment, um, TDY, temporary duty, whatever you want to call it. But they, I mean, they've been, we've had students uh, go down and help with the floods, oh, really? uh, help with tornadoes. I mean, they're helping in the state when the state needs help. But they also do some uh, other missions as well. And you mentioned a little bit about it. Um, you had mentioned that you were in Carrollton County, but you also were deployed uh, to Africa. Correct. So they can go basically anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, and there's, there's different options because that, that's always a big concern. So uh, with ROTC... Once you contract the ROTC, you're not going anywhere. You're completing your school. Uh, we have other options as far as college first. Uh, there's stipulations with that as well. But typically, if you're in school, your unit, now this is me speaking. I can't speak to every unit, but the units that I've dealt with, they try to make it an option for college kids to go. They're not their first choice. Like They don't go after the college kids and try to pull them out of school because... Obviously, it's no, you know, if you've been to college, you, you know that it's, it's hard. So they're not going to try to interrupt someone's education for a deployment if they don't actually need them. So, but here's another thing. A lot of the, you know, even folks here on campus that have the opportunity, they go. They want to go. They want to mm-hmm. serve their community. Right. So it's, you know, it's case by case. But, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different opportunity. We have, you know, units in Poland right now, Africa, uh, been activated for the floods, uh, tornado, but yeah. And the the thing with NKU, and, and this is not necessarily unique to NKU, but it does showcase that NKU is a military friendly type of university. Is if someone is activated or deployed, we have procedures and processes in place, so you're not penalized for lack of a better term if you have to leave correct um, and there's different options that are out there and that, yeah so. that's that's one thing i also brief when i'm you know conducting an appointment and talking to somebody and you know not everything is not everything is in my hands so i can't control everything and i make sure i i let everyone know that too because mm-hmm. you know i'm only at e6 and you know <laughs> i don't have a pool like that but you know i the biggest thing is just you know keeping being honest with everything, there's situations that come about, and you know, I'll do my best to you know help my uh, recruits and cadets out, etc., and do what I need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. So you mentioned that uh, um, you have cadets and you have recruits. Kind of explain what that means and what the difference is, and what are the different options between the two. Like, can I come to you and say, you know, I don't want to, I want to be a recruit, or do I come to you and say I want to be RTC, or is it? This is probably the best option. You lay out both options for them, let them decide. Yeah, so uh, basically the way I do it is similar to the same way I did it when I was in sales at Verizon. I lay out every different option and, you know, pros to cons to each one because, I mean, there are more benefits as far as with ROTC, uh, going to training, et cetera. And, but... Well, the biggest one is at the end, right? So yeah, commissioning as a you know an officer in the army, and whether that's you going active duty or going to the reserves or staying here in the guard, whether it's Kentucky or whatever whatever other state, but um, there's a lot of different options out there. there. But there's also more entailed with the ROTC program as well. There's more obligation than just being a traditional guardsman because you know you have. PT, you have military science classes, and you also have military labs and FTXs. You have advanced camp, so there's more that goes into it, but the payoff is significant. Mm-hmm. 
But then, then again, you know, you were an officer in the Air Force. I'm enlisted. Not everyone was meant to be an officer either. Some people don't want that. They just want to be enlisted and, you know, and there's also more service obligation with ROTC as well. Some people, you know, they join, they want the benefits, they, you know, either decide to make it a career or they want to get out and pursue just their civilian career. You know, life happens, people have families. So I kind of just, you know, I lay it all out there. And as far as recruits, you know, I I recruit for the Kentucky Army National Guard. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Like I said, I'm a little bit older. I went to school here in the mid eighties, right? Uh, mid to late 80s uh and yeah, that light <laughs> the old uh rtc program you couldn't go around campus without seeing you know 20 50 <laughs> seriously cadets run around in uniform and everything and hanging out at the chow hall and, and everything else um and it's just not like that anymore but you are in the process of rebuilding that to get to a you know sustainable force um what does that look like what kind of what is your vision behind that uh, so my vision, and this is my vision. You know, everyone's got their own vision. Uh, same with you know Xavier, which I'm a I'm a partner with them. Uh, I'm not technically the ROTC recruiter. I'm just you know an asset to them. And obviously, recruiting here and the ROTC program helps both of us. Uh, so my vision is sort of what it is at Miami of Ohio. So my goal is. 10 for each year, whether it's freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Uh, 10 cadets a year, uh, that's my goal. Now, that's a big goal. Uh, I'm not going to get there for a while, but uh, that is what I I could see. I could see more for the university, but that's where I would be comfortable, you know, where, I, or where I'm comfortable as far as knowing that the program's rebuilt. I think 10 a year is definitely solid absolutely and kind of um walk us through where it kind of sits right now so where it sits right now and it's it's hard to say because you know this is going into my second year technically my fourth semester here on campus uh right now and that's another thing with rotc too you know some people they join the guard uh they're you know going to training they get an mls and then they they come back and they decide like, hey, I don't want to do ROTC anymore. Uh, they're still in the guard. They're still getting the benefits through the guard, and they're just a traditional guardsman. So well, that's a key point though, because you can kind of try it out. Yeah, you can try it out. Yeah. And I always, with all my with all my soldiers that you know go to training and come back and they don't join as a cadet, I always talk to them about you know what the ROTC offers and what that looks like. Uh, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone's meant to be an officer. I mean. Eventually, you're going to be a commander of a unit, and you're going to be in control of, you know, 70, 80 guys and girls, and you're going to, you know, you're going to be making decisions, and, you, you know, depending on what your branch is, lives are in your hands. Some people aren't meant to make those decisions. Right. Uh, so, as it stands right now, we have about eight cadets, uh, some in training, some not, a uh, couple have dropped from last semester couple have joined you know uh i see by next fall we should be roughly around 15 to 16 right. so and if there's anybody out there that hears this podcast or uh, wants to learn more information or wants to 
kind of sit down and talk to you um, and see what the different options are and the plan out, how they get in touch with you? What's the best mechanisms? Well, so uh, obviously I'll put my link on, on your show as well. Yep. But uh, so my, my uh, cell phone number is 502-871-2656. It's on 24-7. And uh, I'll put my email I'll put my email on the... I'm not going to go through yeah. all that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll list everything in the show notes, but... Yeah. But uh, I'm also I'm also here in Landrum Hall, uh, first floor, room 115, and uh, yeah. my information's right there on the door as well if I'm not in the office. There you go. There you go. So reach out if you have any interest whatsoever. And the cool thing about it is, uh, like Sergeant Mario said, he will sit down and just kind of lay it out. Um, and I know just... By working with you, uh, you've had parents come to oh, yeah. the appointments if they have questions or you know significant others, whatever the case may be. You'll talk to anybody, and and, and there's no stress, no pressure as well. Like oh, correct. Say. Um, I've been told from numerous people I'm probably the most chill, and that's that's the word used, mm-hmm. chill recruiter they ever talked to. Just because, like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm. It's not a hard sell. It's it's a big it's a big commitment. Uh, I made the commitment, so I I understand what it is. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to pressure or force anyone. It's, you know, it's their decision, their life. Yeah. I'm here to help, not to hinder or make anyone stressed out. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, is that a new call sign, new nickname, Sergeant Chill? Yeah. Can we call you yeah. Sergeant Chill for now? It, it might be. There. It might yeah. be. I might have to go to that. Yeah. Well, I will say, and this is nothing like we've been talking about, but one of the and this is going to sound silly, I know it once before I even say it. <laughs> One of the greatest accomplishments that you've had uh, since we've been working together the last year and a half or so is getting Victor in camo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was so, that was huge. That was huge. And uh, uh, we're going to have him a fully tailored uniform by, I'm working on that actually as we speak. Awesome. So. Yeah. So uh, Sergeant Chill comes through when he needs <laughs> to come through, absolutely. And there's a lot of other great things that you're doing, but that was great. So let's jump back into your service a little bit, just because uh, this is kind of uh, the reason we do this podcast is kind of document living history, ongoing living history. So you had mentioned that you were um, in Africa. So talk a little bit about that. What was that experience like? Well, so I'll back up a little bit. So when I did join... Uh, one of the biggest things I, I wanted to deploy. It's uh, kind of working at a warehouse at the time, not enjoying that. Uh, obviously, I know the benefits as far as you know being a veteran, as far as a veteran home loan and things like that. Uh, also, the post 9/11 GI Bill. So I wanted to deploy as soon as I could. That's the first thing I told my recruiter. Uh, originally, I wanted to be infantry. Uh, that's what my grandpa was uh, in Vietnam. So. That was my first choice. However, when I came to my recruiter, infantry was already getting ready to deploy. There was no way that I could make that cut. So I was like, all right, well, who's deploying next? He said artillery. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll go that route. So uh, I ended up, you know, getting through training, came back to my unit right around March time frame, and had a couple drills, getting to know people, and uh, we had our annual training, which was like kind of a pre-mode, three weeks long. Uh, and originally thinking we're going to, you know, Uganda, that was the first thing we were told, and then next thing you know, we're going to Djibouti as uh, QRF, Quick Reaction Force. Uh, spent ten months in, you know, Africa, which was life-changing for me. Uh, I've never been out of the country. First time I actually was on an airplane was. 
going to uh, basic training. So two quick things I want to talk about real quick, because um, everybody that seems to come on this podcast, and we've had several podcasts now, flexibility always seems to be a key thing because it never goes the way it seems to be. Right. And uh, the first time traveling on a plane, plane is usually going to basic or somewhere right around there. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt, but I just think that's something that's a common theme that keeps popping up. So Yeah. I mean, I my feet belong on the ground, so uh, that's <laughs> one thing uh, I didn't really think about with infantry as far as uh, possible airborne, etc. Glad I chose artillery. There you go. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, moving on from there, uh, 10 months overseas, uh, first time out of the country, uh, first time ever being in a third world country, and, you know, just seeing the poverty, you know, going through and doing patrols and things like that, and uh, definitely changed me. Uh, you know, I, I've seen poverty before, at least I thought so, and... Uh, you don't see poverty until you see people that you know can't afford water or food, and then they're living in huts. And one of the hottest, I, I think Djibouti is the hottest place year round. And I think third, I think it was ranked third most miserable. And uh, made me made me value a lot of things that I uh, took for granted in my life for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, how when you got back into the United States? What was that kind of transition back into um, being back here? Yeah, you civilian know? life. Yeah. Uh, so when I came back, first thing, uh, we landed uh, right in, I think it was Indianapolis. Uh, we were, uh, we mobbed and demobbed out of Camp Atterbury. First thing I did was I saw grass. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And uh, if you don't know, uh, Djibouti, there's no grass there. <laughs> Another thing I took for granted. And uh, really, just being home, I, you know, I went 12 months without seeing my son. I mean, my, you know, a full year, and he was, you know, about only a year old at the time. So, you know, I'm, he was walking, talking, you know, it, it was life-changing. I went from, you know seeing a baby to helping potty train and, you know, walking in the park, playing in the park. It was a, it was a big change. And then, uh, obviously at the time didn't, didn't have a job. So I was like, uh, got to figure out something. Right. So, uh, that was the first thing was, you know, just getting back with my family and then, uh, definitely locking down a job. That was, that was key. Uh, and I, honestly, the transition wasn't bad. Uh, I was happy to be home, happy to be with family, uh, my son, and, you know, just looking for the next be uh, best option as far as uh, civilian opportunities. What was your next kind of thing? What was your next journey, your mission? Uh, so I was a traditional guardsman uh, from, you know, we got back in 2013. Uh, and that's the thing. When we did deploy, you know, us being an artillery unit, you know, quick reaction force and gun trucks is an artillery. So I, you know, graduated AIT in March of, uh, what was it, 2012. And then, you know, didn't spend any time doing artillery up until, you know, summer of 2013. So we had to get readjusted as far as our traditional MOS in our job. Uh, so it was... A learning curve uh, for the first year uh, and then just building on that and when I came when I came back from deployment I was e4 uh, you know specialist 
sham shield, you know. Uh, I, I did what I had to do as far as, you know, I drill. But when it came to cleaning, you know, I might hide out. <laughs> you might not see me. But uh, from there, once we were off and running and uh, we got back on the guns, uh, I found, you know, a love for it. I was promoted in 2015 uh, to E5 as a sergeant. Kind of shocked me at you know at the time because I didn't have as much time in service as uh, some of my counterparts. It was kind of a shock, uh, but I took it and ran with it. Uh, got up to speed, ended up being one of the top uh, computer operators as far as uh, with FTC in the state. And then uh, next thing you know, I was an E5, acting E5 for a year. And then next AT, all of a sudden, I'm an E5 section chief, and I took over uh, the other platoon, and I was doing my boss's job as, you know, only having a year under my belt, and it was very prideful. I mean, it, it was great, and we ended up doing great things. Uh, 2016, we won the Alexander Hamilton Award, which is the top artillery battery in the nation, wow. which was a huge honor. Awesome, yeah. And then... Uh, just drilling and getting ready. Uh, we had uh, we had a pretty cool AT in Camp Grayland, Michigan. That was awesome. And then uh, we shot PGK rounds, which are precision guided munitions. Uh, we also shot wrap uh, rounds, which that's rocket propelled, which was super cool. And then from there, you know, COVID happened, and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, COVID COVID happened, and you know that was weird we weren't drilling we were doing uh virtual drills at the time actually and then uh we ended up we had unit we had uh some unit members get activated for covid missions uh we ended up getting activated for uh riots in louisville as well and then next thing you know i'm a recruiter there you go <laughs> here you are today yep here you are today um if you could kind of go back uh and talk to that 19 year old um before he joined the service would you give him any different type of advice, or what kind of advice would you give him? Uh, yes, ROTC. <laughs> <laughs> Go to college. Go to college and get paid to do it, and yeah. commission as an officer. It's crazy to think, you know. I, I, I do well. I'm, I make a great living. I can't complain. But it's crazy to see the difference in the pay scales for enlisted and officers. Like it's just nuts. Mm -hmm. If I could go back and talk to my 19-year-old self, that would be one thing that I would say. Yeah. Go to college yeah. and go ROTC. Well, in this show, I, I mentioned this earlier, but we talked about the good, the bad, and yes, maybe even the ugly. So uh, I'm a Mustang. So I did uh, 12 years enlisted and 12 years as an officer. And uh, I don't know if I've ever... I'm, I'm sure I shared this story with one or two people, but uh, when I was in, um, got picked up to go to officer training school, um, and I went to officer training school and after the first week or two, I called my wife and I'm like, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to come back home. Um, I had just made E6. Um, so I was going to, I could go back home and put on E6 and just go back to the life I knew. And then my wife was like, shut up, stop being a, uh, a sissy, we'll say, <laughs> and just get through it. And I kind of needed that, her just to yell at me and say that. But the, what really turned me was if you look at retirement pay from an E6 or E7 compared to 04, 05, 
Uh, Big difference. There's a huge difference. That's the rest of your life. Definitely. You know? So there's nothing wrong with going the enlisted route. Uh, absolutely um, the key to any service, I will say, is the enlistment force. Um, and my wife's retired enlisted as well. Um, there's nothing wrong with either direction you want to go. But if you decide to stay and retire, the amount of money is almost double per month that you'll receive the, the rest of your entire life if, if you go the ROTC route. route. Right, yeah. Route. Well, it, it, there's OCS, and that's another thing. I've, you know, I've met, you know, some of my recruits already have bachelor's degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something that they might not want to do right off the bat is, you know, I actually just had uh, a female ship out the training a couple of days ago. And she's like, oh, I don't want to be an officer. I just, you know, I just want to, I want to be enlisted. And I was like, well, you know, you don't have to be right now, but just know that option's open for you. You can right. go OCS and commission as an officer. That, that door's open. Just know that there is a door that is open to you. So, you know, everyone's going to make their own decisions, but, you know, as far as me, I wish I would have, you know, known about <laughs> the S&P program that the Kentucky Army National Guard offers, right. for sure. Absolutely. Um, any final thoughts? Anything else that we haven't discussed or we need to get it out? Uh, is there any advice for students uh, that might be considering and kind of on the fence? Yeah, so... The main thing that, you know, I see on campus and, you know, I have appointments with plenty of people that don't join. Obviously, I get a lot more no's than I get yeses, and I'm fine with that. But the one thing that really, like, kind of bothers me to see is, you know, I have have kids, you know, uh, is student loans. Student loans, just please understand what you're signing for. Please understand what interest rates are. Uh, I've met people on campus that have been on campus and living off student loans that owe, you know, up to $100,000 in student loans, and they still don't have their degree. So just know your options, know there are options, and if you've ever thought about serving, if you ever, you know, even think about being a traditional guardsman, call me, talk to me. We'll get it figured out one way or the other. I'll give you the information, and you can decide for yourself. But don't sell yourself short. Uh, I know plenty of people that are traditional guardsmen that, you know, obviously I was a traditional guardsman for over nine years. For the most part, everyone that I know that's in the Guard is successful. They're successful in the military, and they're also a successful civilian side. There's a lot of networking. I mean, I know somebody in every field that can help me out or whatever it is, even electricians, you name it. I, I, I have somebody. So it's a lot more than just military service. There's the networking, there's the benefits, and there's honestly a family. Uh, uh, Kentucky Army National Guard, that unit that you're attached to, I mean, that is a family. So uh, if you have any questions, just Please feel free. Stop by the office. Text me. Call me. No pressure, and uh, we'll see what I can do for you. Yeah, no, that's excellent, awesome advice. And I go back and think about my high school days, and I joined much later uh, because I was probably just too immature. I went to college and couldn't really handle it per se, um, and decided to get enlisted. But if you had known me in high school, you would never thought I could make it in the military, and, and I end up. You know, I, I joined for the educational benefits, and 24 years later, I, I ended up retiring. I met my wife, had my kids. Right. Um, and like you said, 
even if you're active duty, if you're guard, if you're reserves, um, wherever your service component, uh, you, you get to know a lot of great, great people and their lifetime friends, for sure. So that's very, I appreciate you tremendously and sharing all your information and uh, being part of uh, Tactically Acquired and sharing your living history. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.